Welcome to the Managing the Smart Mind podcast with your host, Coach Kramer. This is episode 42. What? 42? Okay, Hitchhiker Guide to the Galaxy fans, you know what it means. <laughs> but back to our scheduled programming, episode 42, how to change the way you feel about pretty much anything. A mini course in Emotional Agility, Part 3. Hey, smart human. We're in Part 3 of my mini course on Emotional Agility, and I'll give you a quick recap and lay of the land so you know where we are. As you may remember, in Part 1, we looked at the neuroscience of emotions, how they're created and how they shape both your experience and your future. In part two, the last episode, we focus on how you can create a healthy baseline for emotional well-being and what you can do in the moment an emotion arises in your body, right, in the present. And in this third part, we're going to have so much fun. <laughs> we're going to look at one component of all the ingredients that create emotions, your thoughts. And remember, your emotions are created by your brain from a mix of sensory input, interoception, your internal database of memories, beliefs, etc., and your thoughts. So if you want to change the way you feel, one approach is to change the way you think. If you picture your emotion creator factory or machine as one of those equalizers, right, with four slides, sensory input, interoception, memory database, and thoughts then that last one is a slide we're going to play with today. And again, important to mention this, this only works if the prefrontal cortex is in action, as I explained in the previous episode, which, by the way, if you haven't already, you should definitely listen to first. Now, if you're a bit skeptical about whether your thoughts can influence your emotions, I want you to try something. Think about a place you really don't like going to. Maybe it's a garbage disposal down in your apartment block with that horrible smell. Maybe it's your dusty attic with heaps of boxes you'd prefer to never look at again. Or perhaps it's a cellar with lots of creepy crawlers you're not particularly into. Think about that place and notice how you feel. It's probably a mixture of several emotions, apprehension, fear, resistance, disgust, etc., Really do this, right? Go there. Got it? Okay. Now, I want you to imagine that in that place, there's a metal box with something insanely valuable to you. Could be Krugerrands, jewels, a winning lottery ticket, a lost Rembrandt, your lost wedding band, whatever you like, right? Now, think about that place again and notice how your emotion about it has changed. You may still be a little anxious, but you probably can't wait to go there and get that box, right? You've kind of forgotten about the disgust or whatever else was in place. So we have just used a thought, or more correctly in this case, a complete visualization to help you change your emotions about something. Pretty cool, huh? I love this stuff. And you can do this with pretty much all the emotions you experience that you think don't serve you. Now, before you run off to experiment with this on all your thoughts, wait a second. 
you have over 60,000 thoughts a day. So you want to be a bit deliberate about this. I'd pick the ones that cost you the most. The expensive emotions in your life, the ones that are robbing you of your headspace, your time and your energy. And for a lot of my clients, that is actually anger or frustration at something or someone. So let's take that as an example and let's walk through what changing your emotions around something like that looks like. I want you to think about a person's situation or event you're angry or frustrated about. Got it? Okay. Now tell me why they or it or them. No. (laughs) Well, bad grammar, but you know what I mean. Tell me why this makes you angry. Really think about it. Don't just say, because it's stupid, inane, mad, evil, etc. So what? The fact that it's stupid, according to you, isn't enough, right, to create anger. There's another component we need in there. And here's an example to help you see this. I have experienced some pretty bad customer service from a company I've been buying dresses from for over 10 years. And I mean, disastrously bad, like, you know, basically cock up after cock up, like a complete mess. I am a very loyal customer. This is probably an autism thing. Once I found a company I love and trust, I never want to let go. But they messed up so bad that I will probably never buy from them again. So I was mad, pretty mad. And why was I mad? It was because I thought they shouldn't have treated me the way they did. That's it. That's the thought that is creating the anger. It isn't the actual mistakes they made. It isn't the actual thing they did. I could reframe that in a gazillion different ways. As in, for example, poor them. They grew too fast. They have staffing problems. I totally get that. They've just messed up. And by the way, I also had that thought and it actually created compassion. But I also had the very strong thought that they should have treated me better, right? This long-term customer, I felt kind of, you know, wedded to them. They should have treated me better. And that's how I am creating my own anger and frustration, especially since every time I got another promo email from them, I reminded myself of what happened and got mad all over again. Now, luckily for me, I get fed up with this pattern eventually, right? So much so that I'm ready to look at the thought that's making me mad. The thought they shouldn't have treated me the way they did. Now, my brain can find a thousand reasons why this is true, right? Like, I'm a loyal customer. This is the worst customer service in the world. They should, you know, not have not communicated for four weeks or six weeks, etc., etc., etc. All the reasons why I think they shouldn't have treated me the way they did is true. But is it really true? Think about it. Am I the master of the universe? Can I dictate how other people treat me? Not at all. I can make sure there are consequences, but I cannot change how they treated me, right? Especially after the fact. And this thought, which I am actually clinging to, isn't even true. So once I see that, once I really see it, I'm ready to let go of the thought that's costing me all this energy. Now, If you've never done this type of work before, it's important to know that there's an art to it. 
The idea isn't simply to replace the thought that makes you angry or sad or anxious or whatever with a better feeling thought. Your brain is way too smart for that to work. It'll just laugh at you, right? Instead, it's to show your brain, first of all, what it is costing you to hold on to this thought. And second, that it is actually optional. If you'd like to dive into this more in depth, I really recommend either working with a coach, hello, or diving into Byron Katie's work, the www.thework.org. She has an incredibly powerful and simple method to teach people this approach to thought work. Okay, so back to my dress store example. I've shown my brain that the thought they shouldn't have treated me this way is optional and that it is costing me so much more than the initial frustration created by this messed up order. So once I see that, my brain kind of softens up and is more ready to let go. But there is one last step, because right now it's still clinging to that thought as if it is its favorite cully toy, right? And your brain will too when you do this work. So you want to give it something else to hold on to, like you would with a child, right? If you need to put the teddy bear into like the washing machine, (laughs) if you can. I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't. But this is where you want to find a new perspective, a new way of thinking about this thing. A reframe that doesn't trigger or upset you. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you flip it to the opposite, although that can be fun. And Byron Katie uses that as a very useful exercise, right? But it does mean modifying it in a way that your brain can really believe it, that you're not lying to yourself and that it still shifts your emotion, that you feel this kind of, ah, right? Oh my God, it may still suck, but at least I don't feel this horrible anger or whatever that is completely draining me. So for me, in this case, it probably won't be. The way they treated me is perfectly fine. (laughs) That's just such a lie. My brain's never going to buy that. But it will be something like, well, that sucked. (laughs) Seriously, that's enough. Just admitting that it sucked and then letting it go. Moving on. Now, there are some more important things you need to know about using thought work to change your emotions. First of all, I've written this in all caps. I'm going to try not to shout, but listen up. Do not Use this technique to gaslight yourself or other people into liking shitty things, people, situations, teachers, mentors, etc. If it's sketchy, you want it to make you feel bad so you can get the hell out. And that emotion that you think is bad is actually a very useful emotion. Don't change it. Also, do not use this technique instead of setting boundaries right? As a sort of escape from having to set boundaries. This is for all you people pleasers out there. This is similar to the previous caveat, but it's slightly different. If you don't like a situation you're in, for example, let's say your cousin, who is absolutely lovely, lovely, but they've been living on your couch for a month and you want them to move out, you're afraid to tell them. Do not try to use thought work to change the way you feel about them being on your couch, Because that isn't in integrity with who you are and what you want for your life. Instead, ask yourself why asking them to get their own space freaks you out so much. That's the thought you want to look at. 
right? That's the stories that you may want to unravel. And in the next episode, I'll give you lots more examples of how to do this work and how powerful it can be. But for now, I want you to remember this. You can change the way you think about people, places, events to change the way you feel about them. So start playing with that. Find an unsettling emotion around someone or something that isn't serving you and get curious. What is the thought underneath all of that? Why do you feel that way about that person, place, event or thing? And once you've found it, get even more curious. Channel Sherlock Holmes or Perot if you need to. Is that thought really true? And what is it costing you to hang on to it? Oh, and we're practicing, right? So don't start with your arch enemy. Leave Moriarty for later. Practice first on that mildly annoying coworker or neighbor. So try, practice, play. And let me know if you have any questions. Have a beautiful week. Bye-bye. smart human, probably listening to this podcast because you want to learn how to manage that smart mind of yours. And the first step is actually getting your bearings, doing a little brain audit. And I have the perfect tool for that, the Mapping Your Unique Brain Workbook. And you can actually download it for free at www.coachkramer.org slash brain map. So that's coachkramer.org slash brain map. Go check it out and play with it and take your first step to managing your smart mind. Mm-hmm.